Hey Chasers, Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information. Not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. Hey, this is Joshua Hatton with Impacts Beverages, Single Cask Nation, One Nation Under Whiskey, and a laundry list of other things whiskey-related. Once you pour a dram, settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Happy Sunday, man. Hey, it is Sunday. Sunday fun day. Yeah, yeah, it is Sunday fun day. Yeah. I love studio Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. Is we, it because of the alliteration? It's because of the tacos down the street at lunchtime. <laughs> not the beautiful whiskey in front of us. It's the tacos That's lying nice. ahead of us. The, na- the guests are nice. The whiskey is nice. Yeah. Those tacos. What's the name of the place? Let's give them a shameless plug. Boca Mexicana? Yeah. Maybe? And have it a grace. Oh, man. Well, We'll double check that after we yeah. go there today. Yeah. We'll re-record this entire episode. They don't listen, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't even know who we're having on. Uh, so I can tell you. I can give you a hint, actually. No, I, know. I know exactly who it is. Good. I'm a huge fan. Before, well, his hair is amazing. Mm. Uh, he's in a band, and that's all I really know about him. Yeah? Yeah. I can't wait to learn more, though. Those are pretty strong... Uh, qualifications i yeah. think good yeah. hair good band what else do you need i think more than an above average understanding of whiskey oh yeah yeah sure like i guess i don't know he's also i i have to say this and i mean this very sincerely one of the people that i would say has stood by us for you know the longest in this iteration of the podcast and helping us grow yeah. so yeah um, he is a true friend of the cast chasers yeah you're gonna hear him and his lovely wife in one of our um in one of our sponsored uh, um breaks but um now you're gonna get to hear us talk to him for yeah. real so he is a real person he's not ai <laughs> um yeah, developed. They are people. They are humans, not paid actors. And right, right. Exactly. Anyway, want to bring them on? Love to. All right, guys. We are joined, not in studio today, but through Zoom, which is just as exciting. Joined today by Joshua Hatton, the National Sales Director for Impacts Beverages, founder of Single Cast Nation, co-host of the One Nation Under Whiskey podcast, and a slew of other fun projects we're going to talk to him about today. So, Joshua, Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Look at like, that. Super excited. Yeah, you and it's almost like you're with us in spirit. <laughs> oh no? Dad no. jokes. Yeah. There yeah, I know. I, I use that all okay, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> we'll get that to editing right away. 
<laughs> your backdrop. I always I always comment on the, our our guests' backdrops or what's behind them, and typically because of what we do, it's always a whiskey esque backdrop. But yours is pretty impressive. Um, name everything on your shelf. No, I'm just kidding. Go <laughs> <laughs> and go. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is yeah. No, that it's so that's. that's it's one half, and then the other half is oh, over wow. there, and then the other half is downstairs, and then the other half is in the garage. Yeah. There's there's four halves. There's just whiskey everywhere in this house. That's the way it is at my place. It's scattered amongst the uh, the property. So when the pandemic first hit and everybody was going out and getting booze and toilet paper, did you just kind of look around and be like, we're good? And I just like, well, we need food. And you're like, oh, <laughs> food. Yes. Do we? <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, that's the problem. You open up the refrigerator, you've got to move the whiskey bottles out of the way yeah. to put the eggs in there. Yeah. You know, it's you, you find any home for these bottles. I imagine in my head, if I've if there's ever a house fire, and I've saved everyone, including my pets, and we're outside, and the fire department's there, and they're like, sir, we're going to put this out. And I lean over and I go, you're not getting that out. You're not. <laughs> that thing is laced. It is not. <laughs> it is not. They're like, you're literally running towards the most combustible part of the house yeah, right now. The whole house is combustible, so you might want to just let it go. Just let it go. Hey, so we have a couple of bottles here that we'll get into later. Um, we like to, we want to kind of know you because although I've been following you for a while, I'm a huge fan of what you do, um, all the companies you're a part of, and we, we listed it off and we'll get into it. What is, we like an origin story. You know what I mean? We're uh, we're big Marvel fans, so we True. love um, we love to learn how did the Hulk? Who is the Hulk, and how did he become the Hulk? You right. know what I mean? As a as a person, what radioactive substance did you right. dip yourself into to become the yeah. whiskey mage that you yeah. are? What what traumatic experience happened to make you, <laughs> you know, the superhero that is Josh Wadden? Oh man, you know I've I've told this story a few times, but now I'm trying to figure out like how to make it a superhero story because yeah. it started in my in my synagogue and so now did like my rabbi bite me yeah like that, yeah you know now i've got like whiskey sense or something that's awesome my whiskey sense is tingling no so um so it really it's my whiskey journey started right around 2003 2004 and Ida and i were just going to a standard friday night service at our synagogue and I was getting interested in, in booze. And after the services, I don't know if you know about this, but Jews love to drink. You don't hear about it. Catholics but we love too. to drink. Yeah. What's that? Catholics too? Catholics Wait, right? too. Mm -hmm. we're, we're humans. We <laughs> all drink. I think humans love um, to drink. <laughs> so after the service, you go into the social hall and there was a, a congregant there who just had five, six whiskeys with him. And he just invited people to come in and taste some whiskeys. And, and so I said, Oh, you know, I, I want to give this a go. Cause I had only started drinking. Like I hadn't really drunk anything until my twenties. I was a like straight edge, hardcore kid. I just didn't touch stuff. He said, yeah, do you want to, do you want to taste a whiskey? And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to give one a go. And he said, all right, do you like sweet? Do you like spicy? Do you like this? Do you like smoky? And I said, I didn't even know something could be like a drink could be smoky. So I said, give that to me. And so it was, uh, it was Lagavulin 16 year old. Ooh. And, uh, you know, it's in like a little tiny plastic cup, you know, not a proper Glen Cairn or anything. <laughs> so anyway, so I smelled it 
and and it just right it had that lagavulin and campfire smoke and and then i tasted it and it was that i just got this sweetness married with the smoke and and an extra bit of sweetness i didn't expect and that sweetness was i i was literally transported back in time to camping with my dad like it was those smells it was the earthen floor it was leaves falling it was the fire it was baked beans you know it was like it was all the stuff yeah and and i liked that a drink that has alcohol in it which is normally something that you you would use like if you use it the wrong way to take you from point a to point b like this takes you somewhere else it takes you back in time and that intrigued the hell out of me and and when i get into something i really 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 get into something and it just sort of sent me down a rabbit hole of you know just trying to read about it trying to taste some here and there and and that's how i met jason cuz he jason johnston yellen my business partner with single cast nation um he was a blogger at the time and so he was one of the blogs that i followed back in you know whatever year it was so yeah that that's that's how it started it started in a house of worship that's that, so cool that's where cast chasers started that's right yeah which is crazy but we uh we were doing a charity kind of thing like um yeah. Um, I think we were collecting clothing or something like that. I don't remember what we were doing. Um, whiskey came up though in, in the, like a storage area. And then we were trying to bond and it was the, Hey, I like whiskey. You like whiskey. <laughs> um, and we just started and it all really just was born from, from that. So, yeah. yeah so you, I, I think it's awesome that you were fortunate enough to, that the person that introduced you to whiskey had, the knowledge and the wherewithal to ask you, do you like sweet? Do you like smoky? Because I, I feel like a lot of people's first impressions, you know, either they assume it's going to be really harsh and really smoky, or maybe yeah. the person that introduces them to it does it as, you know, like more of a challenge and, you know, can you handle the tough stuff versus what do you like? And let's see what we can find that kind of pairs with your palate, you know? I, I'm not going to lie. I still use that today. If, if I'm at a, a whiskey festival or at some sort of thing where I'm behind a table and I have a set of whiskeys in front of me, I say, what do you normally like to drink or what are foods that you like? If, if they say, I'd like to try whiskey, but I don't know what I like. You know, if they don't like smoky and you give them smoky, then you've ruined, you've potentially ruined them on whiskey. So like, what are flavors you enjoy? And then you try to you know, steer them in that direction. So it was like my, my first lesson is hopefully a lesson that I've, I've passed on to other people or has helped me to turn other people onto whiskey. I think there's something too romantic about the idea of whiskey in general. I mean, people ask us all the time, how do you make a whole show, which you have your, your own show about whiskey. And if you think about like at your synagogue or a church or a gathering, really that's what whiskey pivots from that's whiskey gets its roots in coming together around um a fire or around a gathering and men or women and you know soldiers back in scotland or whatever really just kind of taking this moment to sit around and talk and 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 enjoy that spirit so i think i think there's something kind of neat and connecting about that too 
as far as tasting, I think it's also one of those beverages that attacks all the senses, which is what I love mm-hmm. about it. You know, I was with a friend who was, you know, he had this like garage with like a like a saddle in there, like a barn kind of garage thing with very hay saddle horses and all that. And he was like, man, the smell, I wish we could bottle this. And I'm like, they do bottle that. <laughs> it's <laughs> They do. It's called whiskey. Um, and I think that's neat because, you, like you said, I mean, one of my favorite whiskeys um, and I have is the Coila 12, which Sam um, gave me the Impex collection, uh, Coila 12. Mm-hmm. And I've had it before. But I had the fir- that for the first time in Scotland in the Isle of Skye um, with a friend. And that's oh, wow. what connected me to that bottle. And it's just a basic, I mean, it's like we're blending. I think it's in Johnny Walker and that's kind of their thing. And it's a good whiskey, but I'm in love with it because of everything that came around it. And I think, yeah, you know, once we get into, you know, the IB idea, which mm-hmm. I hope we can dig into, I kind of think that's what that's about, capturing little moments. And yep. I, I love that that's a common theme that we come across in most of our conversations on the podcast, too. You know, this idea that whiskey... It's almost like a 4D type of drink, right? Because like you said, it plays in all the senses. But then, Joshua, just like you were talking about with your first taste, there's mm-hmm. this element that just, you know, can transport you through time almost and bring alive a memory that's not even, I don't i don't know how to say it, that's not in the minds of the people that are making the spirit, aside from maybe the inkling that they know something about what they are creating is going to inspire a different hmm. memory firing off. Yeah, I don't, know who the, that I don't know who the distiller was back yeah. then, but I'm sure a Lagavulin, he wasn't like, man, I hope in a synagogue somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, campfire <laughs> baked beans. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody just gets campfire baked beans. That's what mm-hmm. I'm, that's the point. Yeah. Um, but that's beautiful, man. That's a great story. So <laughs> that goes, so that's that's him. That's him as a superhero. Right. In the, you right. know, whatever. That's, that's gorgeous. <laughs> And you decide instead of cr- fighting crime, I'm going to capture these moments and bottle it. it uh, so I assume you don't go right from that to IB, right? You kind of you kind of start to elevate your. I'll, I'll let you tell it. I'm not going to tell your story because it's it's going to be. I want I want Marvel as it is to the comic books and not what what um, Snyder did to the DC <laughs> universe. So. Oh, thank God. What a pile of... Anyway. <laughs> we oh, just lost man. all of those listeners. Part two of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it... So, right, so that, that was the start in the synagogue. And then, like I said, you know, just, just trying to find more and more whiskeys and hitting my local shops and seeing if they had things to taste before I before I bought and and I started following various blogs there was whiskey fun which is still around that's Serge Valentin Dr. Whiskey which was Sam Simmons who's now he was Balbeni now he's the uh, boutique whiskey guy and uh, a few others and I was just I was one of these guys where I was just reading blogs every day if I could but there weren't a lot of them at the time and so I thought, well, what if I started my own blog? And in in a way, it was a place for me to just put my note, my own notes down. And and so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this, but let me dig further. And so what I wanted to do was make sure I wasn't copying anyone's style, and I wanted to make sure I was actually understanding what I was drinking. So I would take. I would take a bottle, let's just say Lagavulin like 16 again, and I would visit Whiskey Fun and I would visit a few others. And I, and if the notes I was thinking of 
if I read them back in someone else's blog, I would say, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path. Because the last thing I wanted to do was just start a blog as, as a know-nothing amateur. I wanted to definitely be an amateur, but, you know, at least be comfortable in the fact that I was understanding the whiskey in my glass mm. properly, that I was, you know, making the synapses fire. So once I felt comfortable there, I started my blog. And that's how I met Jason after reading his blog. I reached out to him on Twitter back when Twitter wasn't a cesspool. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and just thought, you know, I, I, I love the way he wrote, you know, it was very nice, simple, straightforward. And I thought, uh, you know, I wonder if we could start sharing samples. And so he and I did that. We started sharing samples. And so he would read my take on the whiskeys and I would read his take on the whiskey. And about six months into that online relationship, I reached out to him and said, I've got this idea to start an independent bottling company. And, and it was on Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving Day 2010. And uh, I remember I called him up, said, are you busy right now? And he said, yes, I'm having Thanksgiving dinner with my family. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I've got this idea. I, you know, I want to, I want to start an independent bottling company. At that time, there were really, there, like I said, there weren't a lot of bloggers. You know, there was, there was 12 that I knew of, including me and Jason. And we had at the time something called the Whiskey Roundtable. And we would do a monthly get together of all the bloggers. Is that like the Justice um, League? I yeah, kind of like I the had Justice to keep it League. going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say more like the Fellowship of the Ring, but you know, with oh, three extra people. Excellent. But, uh, but because there were so few bloggers, there were a lot of people coming to these blogs, right? There was just a large pool of whiskey lovers coming to a smaller pool of whiskey bloggers to see what we liked, what we didn't like, what we recommended, what we didn't recommend. And I would get, you know, 1,200, 1,500 people to the blog every day. And so Jason, it was a decent number. And so I said, what if we started, or what if I started an independent bottling company? And if people like what I thought of Lagavulin 16 and people thought, you know, Jason, what you thought of this Highland Park, what if they would buy the whiskeys we thought were worthy of bottling? Yeah. And uh, and I didn't explain it to him like that at the get-go. It, it was obvious I wasn't making it very clear because when I told him the idea, he said, that's a really good idea. I think you should do it. And I said, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> I'm asking you to be a partner in this business. It's like, oh, right, right. He said, oh. Let me talk to Tamara. And so he told Tamara, he said, I think Jason's come at me with a, with a million dollar idea and uh, not realizing what it takes to actually make a million dollars. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you need a million dollars first. I think you need, I think you need 10 million yeah, to make a million. That's right. Um, but yeah, so he, so he said yes to it. And, and so that was November 2010. And then in May 2011, we officially incorporated as a company, but we had spent that time just trying, you know, doing due diligence, right? How do we legally navigate the three tiered system of getting whiskey into people's hands? And, and that was from November to May. And then we spent the next few months establishing relationships with, with distilleries to actually act 
excess whiskey to then bottle and bring into states. And so we actually didn't have whiskey to sell until 2012. So it took us almost two years from idea inception, another Christopher Nolan film, not yeah. to be confused with Interstellar, yeah. uh, to, to actually having whiskey to sell. So, so it was a really long process, but you know, here we are 2022 and, and we're going, we're so much farther than I ever expected. So, so I think it was a good, a good decision. Heidi, you know that I love milk and honey whiskey, right? I know it, babe. Right? Single malt Israeli whiskey? Yes. You know they make a gin, right? Yes. Yeah. It's called Levantine Gin. Okay. It's absolutely fantastic. And unlike any other gin I've ever had, because they're using all of these botanicals that are that are, are local to Israel, from Israel, including something called Zatar. Oh. Which you know, we, we cook with yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, a spice. It's a spice. It's a spicy. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. You add that spiciness to the orange and the chamomile and some of the black pepper. It's just glorious. I wouldn't even put it with tonic. I would just sip it straight, maybe with a little cube. Oh, my. Would you do that? I maybe would try it. Okay. Can maybe. we do that now? We could do that. Okay. Are you as proud a sponsor of the Cast Chasers podcast as Impex is? Loud and proud, babe. Boom. I have so much I want to dig into, but on that. Um, But real quick before we do, a message from our sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) That's you. Um, Let's zoom out for a second because I, I we go down these great detailed, you know, esoteric rabbit holes and is word. Yes. Is word. Um, and sometimes I hit it. Um, I'm good with grammars. Um, (laughs) when I first joined the podcast, we kicked around the idea of a segment called Bobby bird, butchers butchers words. Yeah. Yeah, Words I make up, (laughs) whatever. I'm not giving up on that one. I'm a very, I'm very Shakespeare about how I, yeah. So he just made up stuff. About to your zoomed out. So let's zoom out real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a lot of listeners who are really new to whiskey and I think we have a a good mixed group of, Mm -hmm. and they could, some could follow along, some can't. Can you walk us through what an IB, what does that mean? If you're explaining it to a new whiskey person. So yeah, so it, independent bottling. It, it's funny. I, I like I like the way you put it because people don't know it. But what they don't know is that there wouldn't be an, a whiskey industry without independent bottlers. Right? Whiskey industry grew on the backs of independent bottlers because right, everybody knows Johnny Walker. Hmm. Everybody knows John Dewar or the Dewar's Blend or Chivas Brothers with the Chivas Regal Blend. Those people all started, in a, in a sense, as independent bottlers because they would purchase whiskey from distillers. Initially, John Walker, um, he was a grocery store owner. So he would buy whiskey from Glenn, whoever, right? And let's say Glenn Livet. And he would buy the whiskey, he'd bottle it. John Walker's Glenn Livet. He'd put it on the shelf. People would buy it. They would love it. And then he'd say, oh, let me go buy some whiskey from McAllen. And now he's got John Walker's McAllen puts it on the shelf. Notice I didn't say McAllen's McAllen. This is John Walker's McAllen. Mm-hmm. So he is, he in a sense was an independent bottler in that he didn't own the distillery. He purchased the whiskey from the distillery and independently bottled that for his own shop. 
So that went on for a little while. And what he found was his customers didn't like the variety. They said, well, I like the Glenlivet you did. What's going on with this one? Or I liked this one, but I didn't like the Glenlivet. And so he, he said, well, what if I created something that had some sort of consistency? And that's how he became a blender. Mm. And so blends grew out of independent bottling and blends took, and that was like, what, 200-ish years ago? And you know how big blends are, you know, that takes up about, you know, 90% of the whiskey industry in general. But through those 200 years, other independent bottling companies came along like Cadden Heads and Gordon McPhail. And these were just companies that were independent of distilleries that would buy spirit from those distilleries to put in their own bottle. And so some people would say, well, that distillery is probably selling them their bad stuff or their off stuff, the stuff that isn't worthy to that distillery. But what, what I think a lot of people don't realize is distilleries didn't really have their own whiskeys. Like they didn't market their own whiskeys in any serious manner until the 1980s. Mm-hmm. They were all producing spirit to go into a blend that they were manufacturing companies. Mm-hmm. Whiskey is super romantic until you think about the fact that they are manufacturing companies making a product that gets assembled with other products mm-hmm. and then is put into a bottle to be sold, right? right. That, that's all it is. And so, like, up until the 80s, the only way you could get single malts with any sort of regularity, and I know I'm focusing on the Scotch whiskey side, right? You know, in the U.S., we had our own version of independent bottling. We can go into that if you want as well. But, you know, you couldn't taste a Glenlivet, a Macallan, um, a Glenfiddich, or, or any of these from those distilleries. You had to taste them from an independent bottler. And how did that independent bottler get that whiskey? Well, there's a variety of reasons. One of the, the most important reasons is it goes back to the example of Johnny Walker and him wanting to create a consistent product. To create a product with any consistency, you need consistent components. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the thing is that distillers are producing so much liquid that you get a variety of flavors. And if John Walker says, look, I need you to produce 100,000 liters of, of spirit for me for my blend, 60% of that may be usable for his blend. 40% of that may be delicious, but doesn't work for the flavor profile he's trying to create for his consistency. So that gets sold to independent bottlers and they get to say, try this. This is interesting. This is fun, right? And so that's that's how the whiskey industry was until the 80s. And then and then the McAllen came out and Glenfiddich and Glenlivet. Um, I mean, I am skipping a little bit of history in that there was a single malt brand. It was, um, it was the Glenlivet, you know, as a brand sometime in the 60s. They were the first to market their whiskey as a single malt or as a pure malt, I think they called themselves. But there was no other distillery doing with any kind of regularity. So d- does that, did no, I get a little rambly or no, did that make a, sense? Not at all. Actually, it was a, it was yeah. a great depiction. And I'll share when I think of, for everyone, when I think of an IB, I mean, that's exactly what it is and what I think. To me, it's a little more, um, I guess the word is romantic or in-depth. I've had the luxury of being in a few distilleries myself, um, simply because what we do and everything. And 
when you really know somebody at the distiller, we have friends at distilleries, they, they'll crack open a barrel and let us taste from that barrel or something unique. And they produce a consistent, you know, flavor profile every time. But sometimes they'll open up a barrel and it's different or they can't, they're not going to sell it in that format, you know, whatever, to your point. Yeah. So for me, an independent bottle is an opportunity not just to taste, because here's the question I get. Okay, well, if I get uh, an Orkney, you know, why don't I just go out and buy a Highland Park, you know, or, you know, an Orkney Scotch? Because not only is this IB unique, it's unique because that independent bottler found something special and they're telling it's going to be different i've had two highland parks sitting beside you a 17 orkney that i know was highland park you're not tricking me (laughs) and uh, a 17 highland park and they're they're different because it's a different it's a different expression a different barrel a different time a different you know a different a lot of things so i think it's really a way to almost be on that tour in the distillery with someone so with you i feel like that's me in that distillery with joshua hatton picking out a barrel Mm -hmm tasting what he tasted and you're kind of going on that journey and it, it's not as to me ibs aren't as nothing wrong with mass produced but they're not as mass yeah, produced i'm kind of i'm kind of relating it to kind of like a baking comparison right and and i love how you were talking about how you know whiskey is romanticized until you kind of break down the components of hey these are manufacturers that in a lot of cases are trying to assemble a consistent larger volume produced product mm. right so especially with whiskey, when there's, you know, almost like a a laboratory type of component to it and that you have to be very consistent in mm. the measurements and, and how you track how a specific blend was created so mm. you can continue creating it in volume. Um, you know, I'm almost thinking about, all right, hear me out. I'm in a tasty cake factory. Okay. (laughs) And they're just like cranking through zebra cakes on the main line. Mm. And zebra cakes are delicious and everybody loves Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm. But there's somebody who puts a little something extra special, like some type of spice or maybe like a, like a hazelnut praline frosting. Or maybe it messed up with too much cream or something. Right. But, and they taste it and they're like, this shit is delicious. What can we do with this? The Joshua's of the world say, I want that one. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like the GM for the factory is like, (laughs) get that shit out of here. We can't sell that. That's not a zebra cake. And then Joshua comes along and says, what's the whiskey version of that? Because I want that. Is that right, Josh? Joshua? Is that right? (laughs) Josh? Wait, uh, which part? Uh, The zebra cake. The zebra. Okay. So I thought, I thought you were saying, is it Josh or is it Joshua? No, it's Joshua. I'm aware. Yeah. Okay, um, good. No, yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on the zebra cakes. Yeah. 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 I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, here, here's the thing with independent bottlers. If, if someone's going to an independent bottler because they love Laphroaig and they want to taste a Laphroaig from an independent bottler, if they taste it and it's different and they don't like that, well, they're not going to come back to the independent bottler, right? Mm-hmm. If they won't want the zebra cake to always taste like the zebra cake, then you don't want an independent bottler. If you want to be surprised, if you want to take a chance, if, if you're interested in, you know, sometimes it's the same old, same old gets boring, yeah. right? And that's where independent bottlers come in. And I think, and I think our job is to say, Okay, if you like Lefroig or if you like Kilhoven or if you like Aaron or, or, or any of these, an independent bottler's job is to say, okay, if you like those distilleries, those distilleries are showing you um, what they what they want you to see, the flavors that they want 
you to identify as being key to their distillate, to, mm-hmm. to what they make. And independent bottlers want to show you what they're truly capable of because yes. they're capable of so much more yeah. than their 10-year-old, their 15-year-old, their 25-year-old, their quarter cask or whatever. Like really good example. We, back in 2017, bottled a 10-year-old Laphroaig, single cast, cast strength, of course. And people had asked us, why would you bottle a 10-year-old cast strength Laphroaig when Laphroaig has a 10-year-old cast strength bottling? And the the bottle was like a $150 bottle, I'm not going to lie. Like Isla Whiskey, the cost to buy cast is just ridiculous. Mm. Anyway... And my answer to their question was, have a taste. Hmm. And so I'm going to ask you guys a question really quickly. Yeah. When you think of Laphroaig, what are the typical flavors you think of? You get smokiness, you know. Your, your typical smoke. I mm-hmm. always say it's like a wet beach campfire. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Wet, wet burnt wood. Um, I think there's a lot of sweet notes in there too. Vanilla and things like that, of course. Um, nutty. Yeah, but really for me, I think of a wet campfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So this was a tropical fruit basket. Oh, my gosh. There, there was persimmon. There there was like dried pineapple going on. And there was a floral component. Wow. Like the peat was taking a back seat to all of the fruit. Oh. And no one, you know, when people think of Laphroaig, they think of the wet campfire. They think of ashiness or they think of you know, uh, greasy bolts or something yeah. industrial. You don't think of fruit. Right. And and that's what we wanted to show is this is what this distillery is capable of. Like hope, and our hope is maybe you fall more in love with Laphroaig. I mean, yes, part of it is fall in love with us. Please buy more of our whiskey. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why we started a company. We're not a not-for-profit company. Please <laughs> buy our whiskeys. But but there's also this like whiskey geek backbone where we still feel it's our job to make you fall deeper in love with distilleries you already know or discover new distilleries that you've never heard of before. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think that's, that's our job. Independent bottlers to show you shit that you just weren't expecting. I have not had your 10 years. So now I want a fruit basket. (laughs) All right, chasers, that'll do it for now. If this was your first time tuning in, what took you so long? All jokes aside, we're so happy to welcome you to the Cast Chasers family, and we definitely hope you'll come back for more next week. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, in short, wherever you listen to podcasts. And give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can even join our Facebook group for bonus points. And if you want even more Cast Chasers, check out our website, castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chaser swag, and more. Until next time you join us, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. <laughs>